Happy New Year to all you guys as well. Not a better way to start off 2023 than coming to church. So give yourself a hand for making it to church on New Year's Day, nonetheless. And I was at last service. I said, "Well, this will we we won't be doing this for another seven years." But then someone told me there's a leap year, so you're not going to be doing this on New Year's Day again until. 2034. So even more important that you're here today. Uh, but um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I had a great New Year's Eve. I had about 10 freshmen in my house last night, so that was great. Uh, so I'm well rested, uh, let me tell you. But you guys, you know, you woke up, your alarm uh, went off, and you, you made it here to church, and so, so that's great. And so for 2023, your church attendance is 100% right? You're, you're batting a thousand. And so, uh, but so that's, that's just uh, something to remember when you're thinking like, oh, I'm bedside Baptist today or whatever. Uh, but uh, we were so blessed by um, you all uh, attending our Christmas Eve services. Uh, it was just amazing. Um, you know, the four o'clock service, this place was nearly full, the most amount of people we've had in here since we planted uh, three months ago. And there's so many people in here. I, I was just saying, is there going to be anyone for our 530 service? And there was no one for our 5.30 service, <laughs> so that no, was great. We, if you made the 5.30 service, it was definitely the better service. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I really hope that you enjoyed the five uh, weeks of Advent, Advent as much as I did. Uh, it truly was great to just focus on the run-up of the birth, birth and arrival of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And so uh, I'm a little bit sad that it actually came to an end, but the cool thing is we get to go ahead and do that next year as well. And so, so now with this being January 1st, uh, this is the time of year that we collectively just kind of uh, look at what does the Lord have for us with anticipation and, and just really kind of excitement. And so um, I did, you know, just after praying and, and thinking about it, I did have a, a word of encouragement, maybe even a, a strong exhortation, and for some, maybe just a, a mild warning, and it's this, so... Yeah, so I, I got that as a gift from uh, my wife's parents. And so just be careful. Be, be nice to your pastors, okay? Make sure you watch what you have to say or you might wind up in uh, Minor Travis's uh, messages. And so, so, yeah, that was from my wife's parents, Mike and Vicky, for Christmas. But seriously, um, after praying and thinking about what the Lord um, had for us, instead of the proverbial first of the year message where, you know, we, we talk about this is... Um, you know, the first day of the rest of your life, your best year ever, or, you know, new, new view, new you, or something along those lines, uh, or some other um, motivational platitude where we talk about all of our New Year's resolutions and then we eventually break them. Uh, I just thought it'd be really good to just jump back into what we've been doing here at Redeemer Church uh, since we started, and that is just uh, going through the Word of God. And specifically, uh, jumping back into First Peter, um, and that's right where we left off before our five-week Advent uh, sermon series. But um, before we do that, since this is our one of three family services and we, we've got some kiddos in the room, so don't forget um, you could follow along on your notes in, in your bag. If, and so this is our one of three Christmas Eve services and then the Holiday Bazaar at Eagle and then today. And so, uh, so on the count of three kids, if you're here, I want to hear you loud because you get to yell in the auditorium, Happy New Year. Okay, so one Two, three. All right, whoa, whoa, what happened? First service, I mean, it was ear curdling. So let's try that again. One, two, three. Okay, a little better. So maybe we just had more kids in that service. But, but if you recall, 
uh, we've got to go back. Uh, five weeks ago, we just um, we jumped into chapter two, seven messages into First Peter, and we were covering uh, our sermon series, Unfading Hope, and we had just jumped into chapter two, talking about that we, uh, the Apostle Peter, is telling us to put away uh, all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, and that we are to long uh, for the spiritual milk uh, of the Word of God. And so today, we're picking up where we left off and just covering uh, two short verses today in First Peter chapter 2, uh, verses 4 and 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there with me. And so this is what Peter has to say for us. He, he states this, as you come to him, a, a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Lord, we uh, are so thankful for um, who you are and what you did for your church just during the Advent season. God, drawing us uh, closer to you, celebrating your arrival and preparing our hearts. And, and God, we don't want that to end. As we jump into 2023, Lord, we pray that you would just be over uh, your church. God, that we would continually uh, just lean deeper and deeper into what you have for us through your word. Uh, God, that we would take in more and more of your word this upcoming year. That we would pray more fervently and, and more often. Uh, God, that we would be more vigilant when it comes to fighting our sin. Uh, God, that we would love each other uh, better uh, this year. And God, that we would step into to our relationship with you, uh, that we would love you with more and more of our heart, soul, and mind. God, we know that you're capable of all of these things and so much more. And so God, we just pray that 2023 is not just another year. 2023 is a year that we could tangibly look back and say, I grew in my relationship with you, Lord. That is our prayer. And we know that you're capable of of doing that more than we could ask or think, Lord. And so uh, just be with us today as we jump uh, into your word. Amen. So um, last night, I imagine there were some appetizers that you guys uh, took in. How many of you guys watched the game last night? I, I don't know. That last game, that was crazy. Uh, I don't know if it was the kicker's fault or the holder's fault, but someone messed that up. So, uh, but anyhow, that is if you're an Ohio State fan. But everyone loves a, a good appetizer. Um, I mean, before inflation, that is, because now appetizers are ridiculously expensive, and they give you smaller portions as well. So you order an appetizer, and you're like, whoa, where's the rest of it, right? And so, but then there's some appetizers uh, that you order, and you're like, yes, this is what I'm talking about, right? So, uh, you know, a common one would be Chili's. You, you go to Chili's, right? And, and so Chili's, if you order the chips and salsa, the chips and queso, uh, they give you a vat of chips. I mean, there are so many chips and you, you know, you can't say no to chips, right? And so by the time your meal comes, you're saying, I'm not even hungry. Or, or the Blooming Onion, right, from Outback. And I don't know who created that, but they should go down in history as someone special because uh, that is amazing as well. And so, so today, this is what I kind of would like for these verses to do for us. Because um, as we spend these next two weeks in, in chapter in 
chapter 2, verses uh, 6 through 10. We're going to see some of these mountaintops, some of these main course verses over these next couple of weeks in 1 Peter. And so today is somewhat of an appetizer, and I really hope that it is a filling appetizer for us uh, today. Uh, You see, Peter is taking a break from the commands and imperatives, imperatives that have led up to today's uh, passage. And, and he's really reminding us of some of the blessings and privileges that we have in Christ. And so one commentator, when referring to these uh, upcoming verses in First Peter, states this. Here we enjoy our vital union with him. We obtain promises. We receive blessings. We possess privileges. And we exercise offices which can be ours only through the union uh, with our Lord. So again, uh, we obtain promises, uh, receive blessings, possess privileges, and exercise offices. And so this is what we're going to be looking forward to today. Um, And so today we're, we're, we're being told that we are being built into this spiritual house of the Lord and that we, we are a part of this holy priesthood. But in these next couple of weeks, uh, next week we see that our relationship with Jesus is, is precious, with, with Christ as our cornerstone. And, and then the following week, we are told that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people after his own possession, that we have been taken out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. But today, today, these two verses, I believe that the Lord has something very profound for us today. And this is where Peter starts off today, just a mere five words, but these five words are, are loaded. They, they have some profound ramifications. So he, he draws us in to Christ. He, he draws us in as we have first been drawn in and drawn into relationship with our Lord and Savior. So First Peter 2, 4, he, he states this, as you come to him, as you come to him. And I think it would be very easy for us to just kind of skim over this verse, like, you know, not that big of a deal, but make no mistake, Peter knew exactly what he was doing when he said this, because none of this actually matters. All of these amazing things that we're going to be talking about over these next few weeks, none of it matters if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's very important when Peter says, as you come to him, that we have to just kind of walk backwards a little bit and say, what is behind these words in our own life? How did we come to Christ? And so the statement is the result of God drawing us near to him and how before the beginning of time, he knew we would come to him. You know, as we opened up with First Peter, he talks about the, the foreknowledge that, that God had for the elect exiles. And, and in First Peter 1, 3, he states, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be called holy and blameless before him. In love, he pretested us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So before the foundation of the world, before we were created, before we were spoken into existence, God chose us and caused us to be born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He drew himself to him. He drew himself to us. He is again reminding us of this imperishable, undefiled, unfading inheritance that we have, uh, that we have, that is being kept and, and guarded for us in heaven. 
staking the claim of who we are in Christ as this precursor for our identity in him. And so as we see these words, as you come to him, it is not only what we see in our salvation, but it is also what we see in this ongoing, continual relationship with our Savior. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. John six thirty five. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. You may be saying, John, you seem to be fixated on these five words, but I I don't think we could ever grow tired uh, of just really thinking about our our salvation. You know, as we talked about last week, uh, the shepherds, after they had uh, seen Jesus Christ, uh, they went on rejoicing and and proclaiming uh, who Jesus was to everyone they saw. And so I, I don't think we could ever grow tired of the glory of our salvation. And so our first point is this, remember, remember your life in Christ. Do you regularly take the time to think about how the Lord brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light? It should serve as a regular reminder, as a regular validation of our life in Christ. Our faith is something that we should regularly rejoice in. And with some of the kids in the room, um, Have you taken the time to have that discussion if you are in Christ? Have you taken the time to think about and to really just talk about what God did and how he brought you into relationship with him, how you came to him? And so that's a good thing to do because it really serves as an affirmation of who we are. This relationship that we have with the Lord is something that we should regularly revisit. For myself, I remember when I was eight years old, I had the blessing of coming to the Lord at a young age. It was something that I remember like it was yesterday. But it's something that he drew me into relationship with him and I had to come to him. I remember when I was in high school that the Lord really needed to get a hold of my heart. And, and he did this work, but, but he had to remind uh, me of who he was in my life, and, and I had to come to him. I remember in my early 20s when, um, yeah, coming out of college, uh, just some dark years in my life and early on in our marriage. And, and you know, I ran the marriage ministry at, at Rock Harbor for quite some time, and, and I was probably one of those guys that I would say, yeah, we need to pray for him. He's, he's a work in progress. <laughs> and so, but... Um, but there was a time in my life that, that the Lord had to draw me in, and I, again, had to come to him. And so, so this is really what we need to lean into when we see these verses. How, how did we come to a, a life in Christ? And I'm not talking about bad theology or, you know, um, bad doctrine of, of losing our salvation or, or having to be saved again. Um, I'm talking about how the Lord predestined me before the beginning of time and that he will surely keep me from stumbling and present me blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, a true saving faith is a faith that endures, a faith that perseveres. And yes, we come to Christ and we regularly need to come to Christ. This is a life of a follower of Jesus. But who is it that we come to? Who is it that we come to? Well, as we see in the verse that we come to the living stone, which is none other than Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, 4, 
As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen, chosen and precious. This Greek word here for stone is lithos. And unfortunately, some of you are probably familiar with what that means with the word lithotripsy. With tripso or tripsy mean crushing or pulverizing. And, and so lithotripsy is a, a crushing or pulverizing uh, of a kidney stone. And so, no, this message isn't about suffering. But today, uh, it's important that we see this, this word stone. Because Peter is referring to Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone of the church. The perfectly cut foundation, the foundation in which the foundation was built upon, the foundation, the cornerstone in which the foundation of the apostles and prophets were built upon, in which the church was then built upon. And we see that Peter does not only use the word stone, he uses the word living stone, because a mere stone has no life. But Jesus Christ, he is alive and well. He, he died, was buried, he rose again, and now he is alive and well. He is reigning over heaven and earth for all of eternity. In him was life, as we talked about John 1-4 last week. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the giver of life. He is a living stone. And this living stone, as we see, was what? He was rejected by men. He was rejected by the Sanhedrin. He was rejected by the Jewish leaders of his day. He was rejected by um, so many individuals. The, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders ha- had examined him and they found him unworthy. They rejected him. Uh, they thought that their Messiah, uh, their deliverer, uh, would be uh, the triumphant king who, who would come and deliver them and, and vanquish the Roman Empire, that he would uh, release them from their rule and occupation, and he would take them where they needed to be, but, but they rejected him. He, he could not be the promise cornerstone, the, the messianic promise found in Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. This Jewish carpenter, this Jewish carpenter, he was not worthy of our Messiah. So they rejected Jesus. They crucified him on the cross, not realizing that they had set forth the, the redemptive, what would take place through the redemptive um, history of all of mankind. And so, so this rejection is not only for those, though, that put him to death. And here's the thing. That rejection is for all of those individuals who, who deny the gospel that reject the good news, that reject the UN Gelion, that still reject him. And as we look to next week, we're going to see that Jesus Christ, he is, he is either precious to you, he is either precious to you, or he is a stumbling block. He is a, a rock of offense. And so Matthew 13, 13 states this, they see, but they do not see. They hear, but they do not hear. They do not understand. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is either precious to you or he is a stumbling block, a rock of offense. But despite this rejection of men, the verse states, in the sight of God, he is chosen and precious. This Greek word entomos or entomon, it means costly, highly prized, rare. He is the Lord's Begotten, He is the only son of God, the only entity in the entire universe that could bear the weight of God's wrath. Evil and wicked men said, crucify him, crucify him. But the Lord said, this is my beloved son in whom 
I am well pleased. He is the perfectly cut cornerstone. Christ is not only precious to God, uh, but because of what he did on the cross, because he's, what he's done in our lives, he is precious to us. And, and this is point number two. The living stone was rejected by men, but is precious to God and, and therefore is precious to us. So as we move on to verse 5, we see something quite spectacular take place here. The living stone that we come to, we, we now come through. And, and we ourselves are being established as living stones. And we see here yet another amazing privilege in Christ. 1 Peter 2.5, you yourself like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. A theologian and professor uh, Edmund Herbert said these words regarding this passage. This spiritual reality strains the resources uh, of language. It strains the resources of language. Uh, it's difficult uh, to put into words. And this is what uh, salvation does exactly for us. It, it's difficult to explain. It, it, it strains the resources of language. We were once spiritually dead. We were spiritually dead, but now we have been made alive in Christ. We're, we're once just stones, dead stones without life, but the living stone has now given us uh, a life. We are now living stones that make up uh, the household uh, of the Lord. And so our third point is this. Upon salvation, we become living stones and part of God's house. And so we talked about this concept of house or a household uh, a while back in our Ecclesia sermon series. And so we referenced Ephesians 2, 21 and 22 where Paul states this, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So Peter and Paul are both recognizing the importance that we are to be a part of this house of the Lord. In the past, we've talked about the fact that a standalone brick serves no purpose. A brick was always meant uh, to be part uh, of a building, part of uh, a house. And so that's the same for us. We as followers of Christ, as followers of Jesus, we're always meant to be part of uh, the Lord's house, a dwelling place for the Lord, his temple, uh, a church. And so this is really what Paul, what Peter is pulling us into here, that we're to be part of a church. And so this could mean so many different things, uh, but for today I would just really like to take the liberty of what does that look like as far as our um, community groups that are coming up here at Redeemer Church. And so one thing that has been so amazing here at Redeemer is just your level uh, of engagement. And so just from day one, and we're three months in and so many of you have stepped into so many things, whether that means uh, serving, uh, whether that means uh, just praying for us, your, your mere attendance, uh, jumping into uh, women's ministry just by a show of hands, uh, how many of you guys, gals, participated in Devoted this past fall? And so, yeah, it's just great. We had close to 90 women uh, in that, and that was just so amazing just to see so many people uh, jumping into engagement. We, we have close to 90 individuals that have already gone through our membership class with about 30 or 40 waiting to finish up a week. And so, so this is uh, so important. And so um, 
you know, just being a part and having that level of engagement. And then another way that we could do that is just jumping into a community group. If you've gone through our membership class, you could see that um, that's one part of our membership commitment form. It states that we would strive uh, to be in a group. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're not a part of group, uh, a group here at Redeemer that we're going to give you a phone call and say, hey, what's happening? Why aren't you in a group? But um, we just really want you to experience the joy and the depth of what it means to be in a biblical uh, community. We understand that there are varying rhythms of life. Um, you know, there's going to be groups that close, groups that start off. Um, you might be in between some things. There's going to be times where you might say, hey, I want to be part of a community group. There might be times I, you might say, men, you, you want to be a part of a men's group and women, you want to be a part of a women's group. Some of you might say, first service, I said, you could be a part of all three. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. Men, you can't be a part of a women's group and women, you can't be a part of a men's group. But some of you might, you know, decide to jump into uh, both. Um, but that's really our goal, uh, to be involved in one of those three group ministries, either in community groups or, or men's groups or uh, women's groups here at Redeemer Church. And so if the Lord, we're going to be launching groups on February 5th, and so we're going to have sign-ups here in a couple of weeks. But if the Lord is maybe uh, leading you to uh, host a group or to uh, lead a group, we would love to see that happen. You go ahead and uh, fill your information out on a card, um, or you could just go ahead and follow up with an email that Danielle sent out this past week. And I filled out an application, uh, so there's an application. We don't want you leading a group if you're an apostate or something along those lines, but um, we definitely would love to see that happen. But ultimately... Uh, we don't want anyone to miss out on what the Lord uh, has for us. Because uh, here's the thing. Uh, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, uh, who is uh, a lone ranger, that uh, is not in community, that, that has uh, no ability to uh, care for others or to be cared for, uh, to have no accountability uh, in their life, uh, to not be uh, involved with individuals that you are striving side by side for the sake uh, of the gospel or being that iron uh, that sharpens iron. Uh, well, that, that Christian, that follower of Jesus, well, essentially is in a precarious state because the Lord has always wanted us to be in community, uh, an opportunity to fulfill the over 50 one another's that we see in, in God's word. So it is of utmost importance. And so community groups is a way in which we are to be a part of the house of God. And so to conclude our, our spiritual appetizer, if you will, found here in First Peter, we can see that the Lord has allowed us to come and be living stones through the living stone. And then now we see that we are called to be a priesthood of believers, a holy priesthood. And so First Peter 2.5, to be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And this is the first time that we see Peter using the word uh, priesthood here. And so in the next couple of verses, we see that uh, we are to be a royal priesthood. Here we are to be a, a holy priesthood. This um, Greek word, heratume, and refers to the office of a priest or an order uh, of priests. And, and some of us in the room that maybe we have some Catholic roots or upbringing, uh, we might hear this word priest and, and we might bulk it at that a little bit. But, but Peter is not foretelling or talking about a Roman Catholic priest. Instead, he is like what he is doing regularly and continually uh, through First Peter 
He's revisiting uh, the Old Testament. And, and so, so here we see what has taken place in, in this new life in Christ. Again, Jesus Christ is the living stone that we come through. And now we are living stones of the house uh, of God. But here we see that Jesus Christ was the high priest who, who went before us into the Holy of Holies and, and presented himself as the perfect sacrifice. And now because of that, we are able to step into this priesthood. He, he once for all has given us access to God. And so if we were to spend a little bit of time in Leviticus 8 and 9 and Exodus 28 and 29, uh, we, we would see that the priests, they would enter into the Holy of Holies one time a year, Yom Kippur, at a time to, to offer up a sacrifice, an atonement uh, for the sins of the people. But they're only able to do this uh, through an elaborate sequence of ceremonial cleansing and spiritual confession and to find this perfect sacrifice uh, to enter into the Holy of Holies. And if all of these things were not done meticulously, uh, they would die. And so one commentator states uh, that in the Old Testament economy, in the old sacrificial system, uh, we would see that, that Jesus Christ, uh, he was untouched, or, or God was untouchable and we were inadmissible. Uh, where the signs read, no admittance, uh, stay away. But Jesus Christ, our great high priest, he, he was the perfect sacrifice. He, he abolished the wall of hostility that existed between us and God. He, he went into the holy of holies and presented himself as the great high priest, his own life as a sacrifice for all of us. And, and now the curtain that separated us from God was rent in two from top to bottom. And now we are able to step into our relationship with God we have been made right. We have reckoned, been reconciled, sinful man, with holy God. And because of this, we have been redeemed. We have been justified. And we are now a, a priesthood of believers where Christ has gone before us as our mediator. 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the, the man, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.12, he entered once for all into the holy of holies. Not by the means of the blood of his goats, of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So now our sacrifices before God are, are now acceptable to, to, um, through Jesus Christ. Do, do, you, do you see the, the glory in this? Jesus Christ has went before him, for us, and he has offered himself for us. And because of that, we have been set free. We have been redeemed. We have been justified. Through him, we have taken on the holy royal priesthood. And now we, we serve our lives as a living sacrifice before him, according to Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Because Jesus Christ has went before us as the great high priest, we now are part of the priesthood and we now offer up not these sacrifices yearly, but we offer up our own lives as a sacrifice to him, which is our spiritual worship. And this could be summarized into a fourth point. Upon salvation, we become a holy priesthood and offer our lives as a spiritual sacrifice. And so there is no longer this no admittance sign with God. Jesus Christ is now the mediator between God and men. 
and we have been made right with God. We have access to God. We no longer have to take our sacrifice to a priest as he takes that sacrifice for him. Jesus Christ is the sacrifice and because of that we can come to him. We are living stones that have come through the living stone. We are part of the priesthood because Jesus Christ has gone before us as the great high priest and this is why we celebrate and this is why we celebrate in communion today. And so with today, uh, just being a family service, we, it's just a great opportunity with some of the kids in the room to just really talk about what communion is. And, and so we look at the, the bread and, and the cup, uh, which we look at a cracker and, and a juice, and this is symbolic with the bread being symbolic of Christ's body uh, that was sacrificed on the cross and, and the juice being symbolic of Christ's blood that was shed uh, on the cross. And if we have stepped into a relationship with the Lord, if we have repented and said, Lord, forgive me of my sins, and, and we would look to Jesus Christ as, as our Savior, as the perfect sacrifice, then, then we're able to participate in communion. If we say that, Lord, um, you have saved me, then communion is, is for us. It is for uh, believers. So um, this is why we, we participate to, in communion. We, we remember uh, what the Lord did for us on the cross. It's also uh, a time that we examine ourselves. It's a time where we examine ourselves. We uh, confess and repent. And, and kids, that means like, hey, if there are some things I did this past week or two, Maybe uh, I was mean to my brother or, or sister, said some things or did some things that I shouldn't have done. Then this is a time to say, Lord, I want to be drawn back into you. And, and so I, I want to confess my sins and, and repent and, and move away from that. And, and so that's what communion is as well. But again, communion is for if you have made a decision to follow after Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, repenting of your sin and, and recognizing him uh, for who he is. And so we can't really talk uh, about communion, though, uh, with ta without talking about uh, salvation. And, and so kids, uh, just if you will, and parents, you could do it too. Just go ahead and, and take your arms and, and put them out like this. And, uh, and so inside this circle, inside this circle is, is the Lord's kingdom. And inside this circle, the Lord reigns. He's in control. And Inside this kingdom, well, sin isn't allowed inside of it. And um, so if, if we have sinned, which we have, you know, there's things we've done, there's words we've said, there's thoughts we, we've had that, that don't make Jesus happy. The, the, we're not allowed into this kingdom if we have sin. But, but God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and he died on the cross and because he died on the cross, uh, we look to him because he died for our sins and he took that penalty for us. And, and because of that, if we have repented, we are now allowed inside of that kingdom. And so what we do now is we, we hold fast to Jesus Christ. We hold on to his righteousness. Uh, we know that because of his death on the cross, uh, we are allowed into this kingdom and we hold fast on to who Jesus is and what he did on the cross, our great high priest. And because of that, we're allowed into the kingdom because we are holding on to him. But then we realize that we are not holding on to him. 
He is holding on to us. And he is holding on to us. And he's been holding on to us before the creation of the world. And we hold fast to him and then realize that he is holding on to us according to Isaiah 41.10, that he upholds us in his righteous hand. And he not only holds us, he carries us all the way into this kingdom. So if you have repented of your sin, if you hold fast to Jesus Christ, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if you are saved, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can take communion. And so maybe that means a conversation with your parents. Maybe it means, like we talked about earlier, to remember, to to talk about the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life. And this is a time to do that. And it's also a time to examine, confess, and repent. And, And so... Texan's going to take sing the song and then we'll come back up and take communion together. Blessed is
So Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and after blessing it and giving thanks, he gave it to them. And he stated, drink of it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you did on the cross. God, as we just finished celebrating your arrival, God, help us to look to this next year with great anticipation, Lord, a time where we could draw closer and closer to you. God, help us never to forget our salvation. Help us never to forget and always remember what you did on the cross. And God, we just pray that you would just be over your church. God, as we look to the things that we I learned about today that we would apply them to our life. And as we look forward to these next couple of weeks, uh, God, that you would just allow us to just um, embrace the, the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of all that you have for us, Lord. We pray um, that you protect us and bring us all back here. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. You're dismissed.